Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. I am Michael, and I'm here tonight with guest co-host, also Michael, and we are going to do a The Review episode, this time of the board game Cities Skylines, the board game. Michael, say hello to everyone, let them hear your voice. Hello, uh, this is also Michael. Uh, we have great names. We do. We have the best names. Our names are the D12 of names. It is the D12 of names. The 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 always used and always fun to use. D12. Now, uh, Michael's been a part of the faculty for a long time. Most of the work he's done has been behind the scenes, so you don't hear his voice a whole lot. Usually, you participate in our like our bonus episodes whenever we do a. Uh, Gen Con recap, you're there. A Catacon recap, you're there. Uh, you were part of one of our early actual plays for Marvel superheroes, which I still love. Uh, but it, have you been on anything else recently that I? I don't. I don't think so. Not too much recently. And like you said, a lot of the stuff's behind the scenes. But it's uh, it's always a good time when I can get uh, in in front of the the audio mic. So I appreciate you joining me here tonight. Um, so. I was given a copy, so this this was a review copy given to me by the publisher of uh, Cosmos to review this game. I was not familiar with it beforehand. Uh, we've been doing these, quote, quote unquote, the review episodes for a little while now. It fits into what we're trying to do more of, so I was happy to do it. Um, so, Michael, you know little to none about this game, right? I know maybe four facts about okay. this game. Well, give me one of, give me your third or fourth facts. Th- my third or fourth facts yes. it is based off of a video game that is correct it is in fact based off of apparently it's a well-selling pc game um and in fact when you get a copy of the game it comes with a voucher that lets you buy uh, i don't know if you don't already have a copy or one additional copy for like a 50 percent discount off the core set so if you are interested in the pc version 2 then it you know that's that's a little bit of a bonus for you for sure but high level, so the game was designed by, and I'm going to screw this name up because uh, I can't speak English, uh, and this is a Swedish name. There's a bunch of like uh, umlauts and stuff on it, but it's Rustin Hakansson. Close enough. I'm sorry, sir. Uh, and basically the idea is that it's a cooperative game between one and four players. Uh, you know, the estimated age is 10 and up. It takes 60 to 70 minutes to play. And you are trying to design a city that will make the residents happy. And that's actually your victory points in the game are happiness points. So the happier your residents are, the better you are doing. The game is played over multiple phases called milestones. And one of the things I thought was kind of interesting is you as the player or players have pretty much total control on when these milestones end. There's uh, just a minor sort of like triggering thing that has to be done first but anytime after that and it's very easy to do you can just choose when when it's your turn one of the actions you can take is in the milestone because happiness is the victory point condition you're trying to get you can choose to end it when you are in a good position to get as much happiness as you can um, so during each phase of the game you track happiness and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second and then At the end of the phase, you have some calculations to do that can affect your happiness based off of things like crime, traffic, pollution. And then once you've got your final happiness total for the that milestone, you transfer happiness to your happiness tracker, which looks like a skyscraper. It's kind of a cool little doodad thing that you can uh, raise points on and it stays there. Then you start the new phase and your, your happiness for that phase basically restarts. 
So you could end phase one with like five happiness that gets transferred over. You could end phase two with negative one happiness. And now you're down to four happiness on your major tracker. And you could end uh, milestone three with a hundred happiness. And now you're up to 104 happiness. Does that make sense? It does. And like any uh, interested board gamer, I now have like a thousand questions uh that are that are related to how that relates to the gameplay perfect that, that's what i wanted to happen so hit me with your 18th question out of your thousand questions uh what no that's 17th i'll go okay 18th um uh <laughs> is this a competitive uh scenario in no which it is I, it is fully cooperative it is fully co- okay fully the, cooperative. So that, that you've just cut out like 1800 questions <laughs> of my 9000 questions so that's good all right so that that was an easy one um so uh I'm trying to figure out what would be the well, well do you actually do you have any other questions that might help lead me into the next part or I can just start covering stuff so yeah what um when you decide when the when the group decides when a phase should end based upon happiness are there times where um or how do you decide when you want to go for happiness and is it like against some other track like why not always go for the maximum happiness okay. so fair question uh probably i should have done a little bit more setup so so essentially let me we'll give you a little bit more and that might help answer some of these questions sure so when you when you buy the game it has a set number of scenarios that are kind of like tutorial so i've played through the beginning scenario three times and when you progress through each scenario, it adds in a little bit of complexity. Um, so back, basically the base game that I've played, you have three tiles that are these oversized are like six inch by six inch. And it's basically ground. It's like forest and water. And you set them up. And in the first scenario, you set them up side by side, left to right, one, two, three. But you can move them around, and that's one of the things about, you know, the gameplay's replayability is you can mix and match these tiles and put them in different configurations, and that will change the way the game works a little bit. Each tile has a developmental cost. Uh, I don't know, you can't see it, neither can the audience, but like, for example, I'm holding up tile A currently. It has an A on it, so you know that it's tile A, and it has two money symbols. So when the game starts, it's face down. If I want to develop that land, I have to pay two monies. Then I flip that board up, and now we have some roadways. So it starts as just a you know untamed wilderness, and then once you develop it, you've added some roadways, and this is the grid that you play with to add parts of your city into it. Gotcha. We've just we've just frustrated a, a whole plethora of civil engineers. <laughs> by saying that it just takes two monies just two that's monies. it just two monies and we can develop an entire plot of land okay great yes um so then there are in the base game uh there are three or sorry four different types of construction you have green tiles that represent residential areas yellow is industrial blue is commercial and a grayish color is your utilities when you start the game, based on the number of players, you get a set number of cards, and there are three different stacks of cards. There's uh, phase one, phase two, phase three. When you start the game, all of your cards start from phase one. So, for example, I'm looking at one of the phase one residential cards, and to bi- to construct this residential zone, I have to lower my electrical capacity by one. So, on this tracker, I have. I would move the electrical capacity down one. 
Because people use the internet. Because people stuff. use the internet. Um, it adds plus one to my workforce. So there's a tracker for workforce. It goes up one. And it adds one to traffic. There's a little tracker for traffic. And all of those m- move however it says. So electricity down one, people plus one, traffic plus one. And then I can take this green token. And they're all, they're all different shapes and sizes. I don't think there's really any rhyme or reason to them other than when you're putting them together, certain configurations will allow you to more Tetris-like work together. So that's just another aspect of the game of trying to figure out which one of these pieces fits best where you're trying to develop is compared to another one. So there's a bit of uh, like spatial uh, like awareness to the gameplay that helps when you have like a, a Tetris skill. Yes. Um, and certainly early in the game, so like there's phase one, phase two, phase three construction. Phase one construction, for example, if I build a utility, like um, I call it the hospital one, but it's actually, it doesn't always have to be hospitals. There's actually like graveyard falls into the same category. You have to physically be touching that tile to get any sort of bonus for having that tile. Nice. Later on, when you get to like phase two and phase three, as long as they're in the same area, they count. But so like when you first start, you have to be, it seems to be, again, I've only played it a couple times, three to be exact, and I didn't do very well any of those. Uh, you have to be more exacting with where you place things. It gets a little bit easier the the bigger, the more board you have. Mm-hmm. And in this card, the one, just the one I grabbed literally, which was just a random one. If you build this residential zone in an area that already has a commercial zone in it, you get to add plus one to your happiness. And that's kind of how the resources work. So, for example, if I want to build a dog park, I have to pay one money. Don't have to pay any money to build residential. I just have to affect my traffic, people, and electricity. But if I, but if I want to build this dog park, I have to spend one money, and it lowers my pollution down by two. If I build an industrial park, it lowers my workforce by one, but it increases my pollution by two. If I build it in an area with a... Uh, public transport i get plus three money and that's how the game works so you're always trying to balance out happiness with these other factors of building a city correct so so like there's certain utilities like there's there's like water treatment facilities which cost money but it's going to increase your water capacity so part of the strategy is building things that cost you water capacity then building the water tower so that it lowers it back to zero because you want to try to keep those as close to zero as you can. If I build the water tower first, so that's not true. So the water tower thing is different actually, but I'll use pollution as an example. So let's say my pollution is at zero because I'm just started the game. That's great. I don't want any pollution, but I build the water, excuse me, I build the dog park. The dog park lowers your pollution by two, but it can't go below zero. So I don't actually get any benefit of the pollution reduction Unless I build that dog park after I've already raised my pollution up by two. Does that make sense now? Yeah, it does. You need industry before you can have dog parks. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So you start with a set number of money for the opening scenario. You start with 12 monies. And again, it only costs money to build utilities. Everything else, it just causes these different resource tracks to move. So just to cover them, you have... Electrical usage, which starts at zero, but you have a sliding scale that can go negative five or plus five. Water usage, same thing. And then garbage usage, same thing. All of those can apply directly to your happiness. So like um, if you're too much, too little, it can cause your happiness to adjust. So is happiness always the victory point 
for the game? Or yes. is there alternate ways to win? Nope, it's always victory points. I like that because now I, I I can't make like the I can't make Mega City Dread, <laughs> uh, where like my city is terrible, but it makes a lot of money. Right. Yes. Uh, the money is only helpful to to help build things that help bring happiness. That that is your all always your ultimate goal is to build happiness. Good mo- good message. Like you have a workforce tracker, which again starts at zero and it goes to negative five and to plus five, and you want to keep that as close to actually on all these. You want to try to keep as close to zero as you can, because at the end of a milestone, any variance from zero costs happiness, um, except for workforce. Workforce costs money. So if you have not enough people, you have to spend money. If you have too many people, you have to spend money. So your goal is to try to keep workplace or workforce at zero. Same thing with pollution, traffic, and crime. You want to keep them at zero. Any degree off costs happiness when you end a milestone. So again, you want to build a couple industrial parks, raise your pollution up to like three, then bring in the dog park at the end and bring it back down to one or zero, then end your milestone so that you've gotten all this, you know, residential area, commercial, industrial, but you really haven't, everything as close to zero as you can get it. The trick that I have found is figuring out what actually affects everything. So that that's where the kind of the strategy comes in. There's a there's a strategy element and there's a luck element. So in one player, you start with seven cards. So if I'm playing by myself, I get seven cards. All seven come from stack one. If I don't have a police department, I can't do anything to reduce crime. Like that's the only way to reduce crime is to add a police department. So if I'm adding industry and commercial properties that are causing my crime to go up, I cannot affect that until I get to the the police department, which means I have to keep drawing cards until I get there, which can extend the game out. And you can get to the point where you really can't build anything else because crime's too high, pollution's too high, uh, traffic's too high, and the, the game won't let you go above the maximum. You just cannot build if it's going to make your crime go higher than the maximum on the board, which is five spaces from zero. So then you have to pay money to cycle cards cost two monies to get rid of a card you already have and draw a new one. Or if you end a milestone, there's like a phase in the middle before you start the next one where you can change out cards for one monies. Mm-hmm. And then kind of the larger tier strategy, and this is again the part I'm not good at yet, is knowing when to draw level two cards and when to draw level three cards. Because the game works off of a synergy, which I kind of hinted on already. Like if you build this industrial park next to public transport you get a get money bonuses right well at level one it's basically everything's next to each other you need a residential uh, place right next to your fire department if they're touching your golden in later development you just need to be in the same area and it's more complex like if you have a police department and a fire department and you have two commercial zones in the same area then you get a bonus if you add this third thing so there's a part of you have to you have to know where you're going because if you just keep randomly putting stuff down, then you're not really going to have any sort of synergy. And when you get to level three, you're not going to have what you need to get those bonuses. So that's the part that I kept struggling with is I need to you know for example I need to get to my police department because my crime's too high. So I keep drawing from level one because I know there's a police department in level one. There's there's one in each of the, each of the three, but I've already burned through half of level one cards. So statistically. I'm much more likely to get my police department from the level one cards than I am level two or three. 
but now I'm having to constantly build more and more stuff that's just level one. And I think that's where I'm struggling is that I'm not, I, I don't know when to go for level two, when to go for level three. I, I haven't figured that part out yet. Gotcha. So are the axioms that you're always working on, are they, they are always the same. It's happiness, pollution, crime, money, and workforce. And traffic. And traffic. Gotcha. Yep. So again, I know the audience can't see it. I don't know if you can have your webcam up. There's this nifty little player board. It's called the administration oh, yeah. board. And it's basically the same size as one of the land tiles. It's like a slider board for people that can't see it. Yeah. And it has in the middle, you have all the zeros. And then you have like a little chart that goes green to the right and, you know, white green to bright green on the right, yellow to dark red on the left. And you just, you have these little tokens, you just literally slide left and right as you're making choices. And there's the one in the middle is happiness, which goes all the way up to 25. I've never got it higher than seven. And, um, then you have a little place for you to put your money tokens and you have, and it, it's, it's a game. It's got cardboard cutout tokens and there's these big things of money that are worth five monies. And you got the little ones that are worth one and you got all the different color tiles and cards. So, you know, I mean, it's, you know, pretty standard at this point, but I, it's good quality, but I just feel like that's kind of the standard these days. Like if I get a game that's got really wimpy cardboard, I'm going to be really disappointed. So the cardboard's, oh, it's average. I would say it's standard, which for me is high quality. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, our standards. Yes. Well, good. So is there, I'm curious about like the single play versus group play because you've been playing it by yourself. What's the fun advantage or like the game mechanical advantage to having more than one person? Like do people get special abilities or are they are people just sort of working together? So essentially people are working together and that's that's probably my biggest, not really complaint, but concern is and that I have this a lot with most co-op games that it very easily can turn into one person's game where everyone else is just kind of there like if mm -hmm. someone's either just better at the game or more dominant more talkative I can see this being a now this this is what you need to do because all the information's public like all the cards are turned faced up mm -hmm. everyone can see where the chart where all the sliders are everyone can see how much money there is so the game wants you to talk to each other and cooperatively decide what the best you know, the best course of action is, which is great for some groups, but may not be great. Big caveat there, may not be great for some groups. So there is no difference in the way the game plays, excepting at some of the other levels, you get scenario, or excuse me, you get roll cards, kind of like Pandemic or Forbidden Island. So you could have someone who gets to play the architect and they can get like, they don't have to pay as much money for building. And you could have someone else, actually, I'll see if I can find the cards and give you a couple other examples of what they do. So I found, if, you, if it is comparable to that, there's two sort of niches that I've definitely found games like, not Pandemic Legacy, but Pandemic the Original and Forbidden Island to fit into. And you tell me if this game you think would fit into that same sort of niche in that one it's really good for people that are sort of newer to board gaming and need like you know they may want some assistance and like oh how does how do board games work and then the other is sort of my like my gaming group sometimes we just want crazy stuff to happen what <laughs> happens if we make eight dog parks and no industry and uh just seeing what sort of like madness can ensue you know like sim style like sometimes you just want to build a city to see how crazy things can get. <laughs> so are, are either of those correct or a niche that it would fit into? 
so again, I've only played this solo, but but extrapolating what I know about gaming, that yes, those, those kind of fall in there. Like this is a game. If, if you're a well organized mind, then there's probably a lot of fun to be had in this game. But if you have a one player who's dominant, they're going to control the game. But again, most cooperative games are like that. If they're all public information, like when you and I both play Hanabi, it's one of our favorite games. It's co-op, but the information's hidden. You don't know what I know, and I don't know what you know. So we can't collaborate completely. Mm-hmm. In this game, we can. If we want to, you can see every card I have. I can see all the cards you have. We both see how much money we have. We both see where all the sliders are. We can look and look at pile one, two, and three, and we can kind of do some quick card counting. And we can collaborate and say, our best bet is to go ahead and turn in cards and try to draw the fire department. Mm-hmm. It may be your turn, but we've both decided what you were going to do. And if that's a negative for you, then that could this game could be a problem. But if you're okay with that, or that doesn't bother you, or you want that because you're newer, then that's great. Yeah, that actually happened last week, because you know people come over to my place on Sundays, and we play a lot of board games. And we had a new person that hadn't played board games uh, really too much before, and we cracked out Forbidden Island, and we got to teach them, you know, some of the, you know, mechanics of gaming and say, well, these are some of your options. And at the end, you know, you decide what you want to do. But, you know, because the rest of the people at the table, you know, one, are just having fun and we're laughing and it's relaxed, uh, not too serious. And then also, you know, we can give them advice on, you know, this is, these are things to do, but, you know, at the end, you do what you want. And and personally, that's what I try to do when I'm playing, or especially when I'm teaching a game, is I'll say, these are your options. This is what I would do, but it's your choice. And whatever you do, I'll be, I'm like, I'm not going to be upset if you do this other thing. Cause I, cause I want to teach them the thought process. Like they may choose to do a, I at least want them to know why they're choosing a, even if it's a bad play, I want them to understand what the options are. So I'll lay them out for them, but I'm going to still let them choose ultimately what they do at the end of their turn. So in the right group, this is not a problem at all. And again, this is just this type of game that, that is something to be, a concern but in yeah, games where, that are competitive the concern could be that you're playing with a jerk and and you get mad at each other so yeah yeah it's just you if know, somebody's not, new to gaming i don't want to play a competitive game with them yes I, I would agree right like you want you want them to have a good time you want them to be in, engaged so it sounds like that's definitely an, a possible niche of this game or you know like some of my other hardcore gamers that we've gamed so much we just want crazy stuff to happen <laughs> so i found the roll cards so i'm not gonna go through all there's 10 of them i'll go through a couple here so the mayor, if you end a milestone and your workforce is at zero, you get plus happiness. Uh, a statistician gets an additional construction card. So normally you get X number of players. They would get X plus one. See, this game is ripe for comedy. I think that's the other thing <laughs> that we're missing out on here is that, man, the social commentary jokes that you can make during this game, uh, plentiful. There's an architect that lets you build a service building for less money. A lawyer, if you build a build in an empty city district, you get plus one happiness. So having those roles is going to, I don't think it's going to drastically affect the game, but it's going to give you more element of strategy versus the luck, which right now there's a big factor of luck because of the draw. I know that I need X you know, service. Where is it? Can I get to it? The roll cards are going to give you a little bit more ability to manipulate that. Like one of them gets to look at two cards and pick one whenever they draw. That's going to help you get what you want faster. You can use less money if, if you know, if that's the situation you find yourself in. 
and I do like that element because I I like games that have sliders on strategy and luck, and that seems to be one for this game that you can play it very luck based, or you can add in these other elements, which gives you a little bit more strategy. Uh, one of the other things that you can add in uh, are unique buildings. So like right now we have generic commercial, generic industrial, and generic, uh, residential, but you can build like a sports arena or a opera house, a science center, courthouse, and those things will do additional, you know, make additional changes to the game. There's uh, policy cards. So like here's a uh, purchase of biofuel buses. You spend three money, but you get plus two um, electrical capacity. There's uh, construction of new bike paths. Costs two money, but it reduces your traffic by two. So and these, are, again, are going to be like global um, and like global enchantments. They affect everything. And then the last thing I'll discover here is they also have a, a news cycle. So you have these uh, headline cards. And uh, so there's like citizens are sick. Whenever pollution rises, ha- happiness goes down by one. Traffic congestion, whenever traffic rises, happiness goes down. Uh, bad reputation. Whenever a card earns money, you get less money. So these are all generally negatives, uh, and they're also global. But there's ways for you to cycle through and get different ones. So it. I mean, I know this is going to sound maybe a little bit weird. I played on the beginning scenario because I was trying to learn the game. I feel like the game would be a lot more fun at like base level when you have all these different things added in. Mm-hmm. I just don't know that playing it solo would matter. Like, basically, I need more friends. I need more friends to come over and, and play this game with me. But as it was, I had a good time. I don't don't anybody think I, I didn't. It was fun, but I felt like I was playing with training wheels on. If that makes sense. Yeah, that first scenario, that tutorial scenario, is always uh, it's always good. But uh, you know, we we've been gaming a bunch, and you know, we sort of expect like a certain level of complexity out of it. So I can I can definitely see that being the case. But I do appreciate that it's like I do like how the game built that in and said totally. here's scenario one. Once you've played it, go to this one. And you, there was you a time in... in my life that I needed every tutorial possible. <laughs> I still remember playing the first Spider-Man game on Xbox, uh, Spider-Man 2, I believe, and how the first like 20 minutes is like a tutorial. I love that. It's great. It teaches me how to play. It's fun. It's engaging. It's got the uh, Bruce Campbell giving the voice. Good times. More of that, please. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Every every game needs that tutorial. So it definitely sounds like it has like some some niche uh, niche quality to it. Um, is there is there any other like aspect of the game that you think like makes it stand out or makes it fun? Uh, not necessarily stand out. I do think that there is a lot of replayability, which is, I mean, if, again, you're looking at value of a game, that's a big big part of it. That. Um, so, if this is something you play and you have fun, like you and your friends or you and your family get this out and you're like, this was a good time. I want to do this again because you have the ability to randomize which tiles you're using and where they're at, randomize the roll cards. Uh, it's going to allow you to play the game multiple times with similar but differences that will let you still have fun on your 10th playthrough, maybe your 50th playthrough is your first. Mm-hmm. And not every game does that. Uh, so I do like those elements of uh, random ability, which add to replayability. Interesting. So the uh, so that's a, a good way to have it. Yeah, because uh, like we've just done some of the like um, escape the room games where it's a lot of fun, but yeah, there's no replayability. I, you know, otherwise I need to purchase something new. So how, what are we talking about uh, on price? Do we do you have a price tag for it presently? 
So I went to Amazon, and I know not everyone uses Amazon. I'm a big believer. If you have a friendly local game store, support it as best you can. Currently on Amazon, it is $36 with a full retail price of $50. So if you're going to buy it at your local game store, you're probably looking at $50. Uh, Amazon would be $36. I like the fact that it's cooperative. I like the fact that it's also a solo game because, unfortunately, I do have a lot of uh, games right now that I I am in the situation where I play a lot of games by myself. Let's say it that way. So I really like m games that have solo modes uh, because that's one of the things I like to do. So one to four, cooperative, those are also great. Honestly, 36 bucks, that's about what I would, that's probably average. I would. I don't think that's a great deal for this game, but I don't think it's overpriced either. Quality components, it's, you know, if you're into the Tetris-y organized mind sort of uh, lifestyle, I think this is a game that you could have a lot of fun with. And I would say overall, I would give this a B. As far as our rating scale goes, we go from a C minus to an A plus. Uh, this is a game I could see me playing. I don't think my kids are quite old enough. I think they're a little bit too young. It says 10. My, I have an 8 and a 9-year-old. I don't think they would probably get a lot of enjoyment from this. But actually, Val, I think, would really like this. I probably need to break it out with her sometime because she's got that very organized Tetris-like mind. She probably would like beat the game in 10 minutes and have a happiness score of 1,000. <laughs> But right now, looking at it, I would say this is a B. It's a solid game. I'm glad I have a copy. I'm happy to be able to uh, have it for you know people that come to a catacon in the future. So yeah, solid B for me. All right. Well, uh, hopefully next time we get together, we can uh, crack it open and, and see what it's got. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for anyone listening. Please, if you do end up picking this game up, let me know. Let me know what you think of it, good or bad. I'd love to hear back. If there are any other games, books, uh, even even some video games, we've done one of those so far, that you would like to see us do a review on, please let me know. I can't guarantee, but we will look into it and see if we can. So until next time, this has been Michael. And this has been Michael. And we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time.
The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.